Welcome to the Texas Trailhead Podcast. I started hiking to help with my health, both mental and physical. And now I'm encouraging y'all to get out and enjoy the trails, the outdoors, camping, all that stuff that Texas and beyond has to offer. So join me, Danny Laurel, as I'm sharing stories from myself and others who enjoy the outdoors as well. So grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead. You don't have to do one thing for your physical health and then go do another thing for your mental health. Like you, nature is like the best of both worlds, you know, and that's what I really love about it. According to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. In 2018, over 48,000 people died by suicide. In 2020, the rate should see continued increase, as it has been on a constant rise since 1999. This week, I'm speaking with Dr. Weta Grove a licensed psychologist based out of the San Antonio area. One of her main areas of focus is working with people in the outdoors and uses nature to work on mental health. In our discussion, we definitely talk about her practice. But I wanted to know more about mental health in general, who's affected the most, and what we can do to normalize the discussion surrounding it, and some best practices we can do at home. Mental health is really important to me, and it's something I have to focus on daily. Nature was one of the main things I found that helped me, so I definitely feel that the discussion around mental health is important, but what's also important is making it easier to talk about it and make it more accessible. We'll get into more detail during the interview, but it's important to note, especially in our current climate, that access to mental health providers and the outdoors should be accessible to everyone. This isn't a political statement. So when I say, or when we see companies posting things like, the outdoors are for everyone, no one should be mad at that. Or saying things like, of course they are. Because realize that in some instances, it's the access that isn't made available. Not everyone has the same access to parks, trails, and outdoor spaces, just like not everyone has access to mental health services. Dr. Wettergrove talks about some of the difficulties for people of color and lower financial backgrounds, including the access to mental health care. We'll also discuss when to start talking to children and the work with women in the outdoors that she does. And since we'll be discussing the positive effects of the outdoors, it's important to note that making healthcare and the outdoors more accessible for all will help more people in the long run. So please enjoy this episode. And one quick note, I realized after recording I had some microphone issues that you may hear later in the episode. I apologize in advance and I hope it doesn't distract from the message. So let's get to it. Twenty twenty has definitely been challenging for a lot of people so far. 
with talking to your clients, what are some of the biggest issues that you're hearing about? I mean, pre-COVID, you know, I think mental health was uh, an issue, like in our country, you know, I think um, the numbers were something like 22% of women were experiencing a mental illness and 15% of men, which that was probably a little um, underreported anyways. You know, now that we're in COVID, it's a lot of like the same issues, but just like exacerbated, right? So, you're, you know, depression, anxiety, um, but exacerbated. And, and kind of the biggest thing is like, you know, what I always tell people is stress, our response to stress, like that's normal and, and adaptive, you know, and um, if you're walking down a trail and a bear comes at you, like you want to feel stress about that because that's what's going to make you run away and get out of there. So stress isn't the problem. The problem with COVID is it's like this chronic stress response that never goes off. And that's what's really bad for us. You know, most of the time a bear is running towards you, you either get out of there or you die. <laughs> but like the stress response ends. <laughs> and I'm saying that a little bit, um, you know, I'm saying I'm being a little facetious, but stress doesn't really, you know, for the way that we adapted, stress wasn't meant to like last a long time. And yet now we live in this world, even pre-COVID, we lived in this world where like we're just stressed all the time. And especially with COVID, like not knowing the future of things, it just kicks on the stress response that doesn't go off. And that has like that creates a host of problems for us, um, both mental and physical. Yeah. And I mean, I think the depression, you know, just being disconnected from our loved ones um, is just making depression rates go up. There's, there was already, uh, I think people were feeling pretty lonely and disconnected because we're just, we were a society that was already attached to our devices. And now we have to, which in some ways that's been really helpful and useful to be able to connect through devices. However, there is research that shows that the more time we're on our screens, the higher our rates of loneliness are. And so I'd be interested to see like the data that comes out during COVID that I'd be interested to know, like, are people feeling more connected or are they still experiencing that loneliness that they were feeling pre-COVID? Do you feel that we're moving the needle forward when it comes to dealing and talking about mental health? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, you know, uh, millennials, uh, you know, young people, they are more open to going to therapy and to talking about m mental health issues. And so I think that that's kind of, you know, I think they're moving the needle forward for us because they're just more willing to talk about it and have those conversations. I, you know, work with veterans and I, which, you know, predominantly speaking are men. And I see in that community, uh, um, there's a lot more talking about like PTSD um, and, and trauma and depression and anxiety and so I think in those circles, um, they're also moving the needle forward for us. And so, yeah, I think that people are talking about it more. My worry is that there are not enough mental health providers and there's not enough access to affordable mental health for a lot of people. And so 
I think it's great that we're talking about it and we need to do more. We need to like vote for um, people that care about mental health and are going to enact policies that support mental health in our communities. And so absolutely, that's like the next step. You know, it's great that we're talking about it and now let's like do something about it and let's put our money where our mouth is. Do you feel there are segments of the population that have a harder time with reaching out? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's like multifaceted. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes we want to um, we want to see someone that looks like us. Right. And I think the number I saw recently was like 90, 95 percent of psychologists are white. Right. So for people of color who are going through like very specific um, experiences, that can be hard. I think that more and more providers and myself included, you know, we're moving away from like accepting insurance because the insurance systems don't always um, support us and pay us fairly. And so when we don't accept insurance that, you know, removes uh, access for a whole bunch of people, you know, myself included, you know, I use insurance when I go to see my providers, right? So it's like this catch 22 for mental health providers that are in private practice. I think those are probably the two biggest issues. You know, we can talk about nature specifically because, you know, nature um, is a is a treatment modality in and of itself, I believe. And, you know, by 2050, two thirds of the world's population is going to be living in these concrete jungles, you know, in these really urban settings. And so even thinking about how can we make green spaces more accessible to everyone, I think is like a, an important conversation to have, you know, it just, it, it you know, we have to be honest when we, we talk about, um, access to nature being like a privilege, you know, I live in San Antonio and most of the, the parks with the trails are on the north side of San Antonio, you know, and um, not everyone lives on the north side of San Antonio. And I don't think we talk about that enough about like city planning and state planning so that we can make sure that um, nature and green spaces are accessible for all people. That's something that I'm really passionate about. So I have an 11-year-old daughter, and there have been a few times where in discussion she has said things like, man, that made me really anxious, and I'm not sure if she just heard me going through my breathing exercises or what, but when should we start talking to our youth about mental health, and what are some things that we can focus on with young girls heading into their teen years and beyond? Oh, that's a great question. And I love talking about it. Um, I don't think it's ever too early to start talking about mental health, you know, age appropriate, of course, like everything. Um, It's kind of well established in the research that girls are going to struggle with um, issues like self-esteem and body image and self-worth, you know, from a very young age. And I think The really cool thing about nature and why I I love getting young girls outdoors is because it really like takes the focus off of what we look like to uh, what we can do with our bodies. You know, like how far can I hike? Man, I went up that um, hill or that mountain or whatever, and that was really hard and I did it. And so I think it's so important for 
you know, all people, but especially young girls to kind of focus on like mastery, you know, so mastering things that are challenging, but doable, because that's, it's linked to self confidence and self worth and feeling good about ourselves, you know, and Absolutely, yeah. protective factors, you know, so not to say that someone who is hiking, you know, doesn't experience depression or anxiety or anything like that. But those are protective factors, you know, the better we feel about ourselves, the more able we're going to be able to deal with stress when it comes our way or a depressive episode if it comes our way. And so you're like building a bank with these um, kids, you know, and uh, getting them outdoors and kind of, yeah, building that bank, building up a cushion so that when something happens, and it will, because stuff happens to all of us, right, we're just like better equipped to deal with it. Yeah, you, you talk about mastery and willpower on your blog. Uh, but one of the other things that I thought was really interesting was the feeling that people have to be 100% confident to take risks. I know that hiking for me is that. And, you know, I, I'm not 100% confident in those hikes. I don't know how the hikes are going to end. I don't know what the trails are going to be like if it's somewhere new. Um, and I, I think that's something that definitely helped me grow and, and take those risks. I feel like if you're taking those risks, you're going to uh, grow and learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think people look at me um, and they think like, oh, I've been doing this my whole life. I've been outdoors my whole life and hiking my whole life and challenging myself my whole life. But I didn't start doing this till I was like in my 30s, you know, so growing up, like if something was hard, I quit, you know, and looking back, that's kind of like a big regret of mine is that I when something was hard or when I was embarrassed um, or when I was worried about what people thought of me, I just quit. And it wasn't until I was much older that I just, I really started seeing the value in challenging myself and in failing and in, you know, kind of getting up and doing things over again. Um, and, and kind of like, it took me a long time to see the value in like the process. Um, Cause I, I typically kind of quit when things got hard. So I guess I just say that to, to say like it's never too late to start building mastery or to start getting out there and kind of trying new things and that in and of itself is exposure therapy you know which is like the gold standard for anxiety treatment is just getting out and exposing yourself exposing yourself exposing yourself until finally your brain gets it like oh this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Stay tuned for more after the break. So let's back up a little bit. How did you get into this uh, particular line of work with your psychology? Yeah, um, so my parents um, got divorced when I was about 17, and I just knew that I was going to become a marriage therapist, and I was going to like fix their marriage and then go on to fix all these <laughs> other marriages. And now I'm, uh, I'm like 10 years into my mental health career and I like don't work with many couples at all <laughs> um I just found that it wasn't one <laughs> and also like it wasn't my job to fix people and fix their marriages you know more importantly yeah um, <laughs> but I just really always loved psychology you know I, I love kind of learning about people and how our brains work and why we do the things we do it was just really interesting to me 
And so I think that's where it started is going to college and taking psychology courses and just becoming really interested in, in kind of like how we tick. Um, and, and I think we talked maybe over email, we were talking about like small change leading to big change. And I just, I'm so fascinated with like habit formation and taking small steps. Everything in my life that I've ever done has not been the, these like huge, like, you know, transformational moments. It's just been like chipping away, chipping away these little small changes, you know, um, leading to something big in my life. So I'm like a big believer in, in that process. You know, I, I just knew with psychology, like it's hard to find a job in psychology with just a bachelor's degree. And so once, you know, I had, I got that bachelor's degree, I, I knew that like in order to do something out of outside of case management, like to do therapy or something else, like I would need to get those advanced degrees. And so that was sort of the route I took. So what is it about nature? I mean, it's been a, a huge part of me working on my mental health, but what what is it about uh, about nature um, that makes it so effective? There's a lot of reasons, um, and there's a lot of research. And so, like, study after study, you know, no matter where you look, whether it's um, short-term benefits, long-term benefits, whether you're getting out in nature once or you're doing it multiple times a week, like study after study shows that it, um, it enhances our well-being, it in, uh, improves our mood, it helps with attention and focus and creativity, um, it helps with stress and anxiety and irritability, you know, and I think that that's because there's something really healing about being outdoors, you know, and it, it, what the research shows when they uh, look at our brains is it, it, um, it activates parts of our brains that aren't activated when we're on our screen, right. Or we're sitting in front of the TV or we're doing other things, you know, nature has really restorative, um, benefits. So not only does it like feel good in the moment, but it's actually like restoring attention and focus. And so that's why, even though, and I, I've been there and I, I mean, I'm not above sitting uh, in front of the TV and binging on Netflix for four hours, <laughs> but, you know, getting out into nature, even though it seems like kind of counterintuitive, like, well, if I'm tired and I'm stressed, why wouldn't it be more helpful to like veg out? And the reason why it's not as helpful is because it doesn't have the, the same restorative effects on our brain as getting out in nature. And what's really interesting is like, as they study nature, the effects that you get from nature, you can get those from like looking at a picture of nature or listening to nature sounds that are just recorded. So while getting out, you know, in nature and, and kind of getting the real deal is obviously like, you know, the best opportunity, you'll get the best effects. If you don't have access to that, like even looking at a picture has been proven to help people's mood, at least short term, you know, you're not going to have the same long term benefits, but short term, it can really help. So I don't know if that answered your question of like, why? I don't know that we know why yet, except that it just does things to our brain that sitting indoors doesn't. What are some things that you do with your clients when you're working with them on uh, the outdoors? Um, and, you know, some things that other people can maybe hear and, and do on their own um, to enhance that. So I um, predominantly 
work with women um, and we do, I call it hike therapy. Some therapists call it walk and talk therapy, but it's just the idea of like getting outside of four walls and moving while you do the therapeutic work. And so like the conversation, it looks pretty similar to what it would look like if you were sitting in the office. And so, you know, I do evidence-based therapies that have been, you know, researched and proven to work for people who are having specific problems like depression, anxiety, um, and PTSD. But we're adding this component of nature and movement that's been proven to also be very helpful. So, you know, there's studies that show that movement alone is as effective as an antidepressant for depression, right? So a medication that you take that's, you know, for depression. And so adding that movement component and that kind of outdoor component, I think it just like adds a different level to the mental health treatment that I'm providing. But if you've ever been to therapy and you've been sitting in an office with someone talking out your problem and kind of processing through that, we do the same thing on the trail. I try to meet people where they're at, you know, so I think hike therapy can sound like very intimidating. Like, what do you mean we're going to go hike up this mountain? You know, not at all, you know, not at all. Um, There's some really nice trails in San Antonio that are easy and accessible to all people. Um, And so I really like move at, at someone's pace, you know, Sometimes that means uh, I'm like huffing and puffing, trying to keep up with my client because they're like moving. Uh, And then sometimes it's like a slower pace, you know, because it's not about it's not about um, burning X number of calories or anything like that. It's just about getting the healing components of nature in our session. And that looks different for everyone. Where are your, uh, what are some of your favorite places to hike in the San Antonio area? Friedrich Park. It has a, you know, a nice loop that feels like you're out somewhere outside of the city. That's changing because they're, they're building some houses around there, but it kind of gives you like that nature element. And a lot of people go out there to train for big hikes, um, like Grand Canyon and stuff like that. And then I also, uh, there's another park called Eisenhower that I really enjoy. And then also like San Antonio has a really beautiful um, greenway system. They're paved trails and, you know, people bike them um, and walk on them and skate on them. That's really nice too. You know, it's not gravel. There's not as many like elevation changes like there are these other parts I mentioned, but if you're just starting out, like that's perfect. You get out, there's a lot of deer and wildlife you're hearing the sounds of nature, which, by the way, there's studies that show that um, when we listen to nature sounds, birds, um, the wind rustling, water, that like cortisol levels drop and cortisol is um, connected. To, it's like a stress hormone, you know, just getting out and kind of like leaving your headphones at home and just listening to the sounds and focusing on that can really help with stress and anxiety. And so that's a great, you know, good greenway systems. Like that's a great place to start. I think that's an interesting point. I, um, on one of the pages that I was following, someone had asked like what your favorite songs are to listen to while you're out on the trail. And I kind of 
scrunch faced at that because I really don't want to listen to anything else except for the sounds of nature. And I think it, it may be subconsciously because of that, because I do feel like I am getting more, not just more out of my surroundings, but uh, to, to your point, kind of getting that full experience about not just the sights but also the sounds and 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 really using all of those things to calm me down or just kind of clear my head and yeah and that's like uh, the biggest thing sorry i don't mean to interrupt you i get excited that's like the biggest thing i think is like a lot of us think like oh well i gotta go to the gym or i have to go on a run to get my physical health needs met And then I have to do this other thing for my mental health needs. But like, if you get out in nature, it's like a double whammy. You know what I mean? You're moving your body. And if you use nature strategically, right, you make decisions like I'm going to leave my headphones in the car. I'm going to keep my phone in my pocket. I'm going to do this really mindfully. You don't have to do one thing for your physical health and then go do another thing for your mental health. Like you nature is like the best of both worlds, you know, and that's what I really love about it. Um, it just takes some understanding of how to use it, um, in a way to get both benefits. So how can the listeners learn more about your work and how to get in touch with you? Yeah. So I have a website, um, site-hike.com. Um, and, there you can kind of learn about hike therapy. Um, and, and then if you're interested in doing hike therapy, if you're local, you, we can do that. But also um, I do video sessions to anyone in Texas. And so if you're up in Dallas or somewhere, you're not going to, you know, we're not going to meet in person, but we can still do therapy over video and create your treatment plan around like incorporating nature and incorporating getting outdoors as part of, you know, what we talk about in our sessions. I spend most of my time social media wise on Instagram. And so you can find psych hike at psych.hike or um, I'm at Dr. Weta Grove. And you'll link those things, I'm sure. Yeah, to anyone listening, I will have all of those links posted so y'all can find them on there as Dr. well. <laughs> well, Dr. Wedegrove, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out today to talk with me. I definitely feel that people that are listening should should know that nature is an important place to to be, just not physical, but or not to help the physical, but also help the the mental as well. So I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a fun. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Texas Trailhead Podcast. If you like what you heard, please let me know by leaving feedback on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. You can find this on anchor.fm and just search the Texas Trailhead. Still looking for more? Click the links below to find the website, Facebook page, and see pictures from the outdoors on my Instagram page. 
So until next time, grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead.